You're listening to Oi Spaceman, a Doctor Who love story. We're a polyamorous married couple who discuss Doctor Who from a generally progressive, feminist, and social justice-oriented perspective. While we try to be sensitive, we generally don't consider this to be a safe space. Spoilers, naughty language, a general disregard for most things Stephen Moffat, and other adult content are likely found within. So welcome, episode 90 of Oi Spaceman, a Doctor Who love story. Are you pumped that we're finally to 90? That makes us a... Nonagenarian. Nonagenarian. I was going to say it. I had it and everything, and you you said it. Yeah, well... Yeah, we are... You snooze, you lose. Apparently so. So thank you to those of us, of you, not us, because I don't listen to this show. <laughs> no, Shannon does not listen to this show. Daniel listens to it. I do, I do, I do edit it, and then occasionally I'll go back and listen to the old ones and go, man, we suck. Or, well, I suck. Shana's amazing in everyone, but I suck constantly. I just get these sad text messages when I leave town. I listened to one of our old podcasts so I could hear your voice. You're amazing. I love you. I do occasionally do that when I miss my wife. I will put on one of our podcasts so I can hear her voice. It's a thing. How dare you love me so... Yeah, that's like the sappiest thing we've ever said on this podcast. I might have to delete that just so people don't think I'm like some giant softy or something. Oh, right, right. Big softy. <sighs> so welcome. Obviously, I'm Daniel. This is Shayna. Uh, it kind of sounds like we're doing this for like the 100th episode um, in the way that we're like talking about it. But, you know, this is episode 90. We spent the last uh, basically year and a half um, starting in December of... 2014, uh, we started actually going through looking at stories that had all the companions, the classic companions, starting from An Unearthly Child, and then finally we got all the way up to the introduction of Ace and Dragonfire. Originally, I was going to save this for a few more episodes. We were going to do a couple more Ace stories, and then basically I got delayed on the Happiness Patrol, and we started the Red Dwarf and Firefly podcasts, and so we're just going to go ahead and do this now. Uh, next week, you can't expect the Happiness Patrol. <laughs> I did buy a Region 2 DVD player, and I do have uh, a Region 2 disc of the Happiness Patrol on its way. If everything works out properly, next week, you will get a discussion about the Happiness Patrol. We are supposed to have a guest for that, but I haven't heard back from him, so we'll see if that still happens. But hell or high water, next week we will finally talk about the yeah. Happiness Patrol. And I'm psyched. I don't know if we mentioned this before, because I don't remember, but uh, I've seen part of it. We watched the first episode of the Happiness Patrol. So basically the, the thing is, I've been uh, torrenting these or using some streaming service. All the streaming versions I could find sucked donkey balls. And the torrent version that I found had a mismatched audio-video starting around the middle of episode two. That's what it was, yeah. I, you know, if it had been a really shitty serial, I probably would have just toughed it out and gone. But I'm not subjecting Shayna to the Happiness Patrol that way. <laughs> certainly not if we're going to podcast it, so. No, and certainly not, uh, like, having seen the beginning of it and having seen the actual Happiness Patrol and those costumes and the colors. It- it's worth buying. So there's I so just, much to talk about. I would have just bought. I'm looking forward to it. I would have just bought the region one disc, except it's out of print in the fucking United States and in North America. Yeah. So buying it 
like used online is like seventy dollars. And I love the happiness patrol, but it's not worth seventy dollars. There's not much in in the world that's worth seventy dollars to me right now. <laughs> right. So instead. I now have a Region 2 DVD player, so if anybody knows, like, websites where you can get cheap Region 2 DVDs, uh, let me know. I did buy a copy of the Ace Adventures DVD off of uh, of Amazon. Uh, Unfortunately, the Ace Adventures DVD only includes two stories. Guess which two? The Happiness Patrol and her introduction? (laughs) Yeah, it's Dragonfire and the Happiness Patrol, so... Um, but I will, we will get to see Dragonfire in nice high resolution now, if you want to rewatch that. I will. Is, okay. Um, so no, no, no real complaints. Anyway, that's why the Doctor Who thread of this, uh, podcast family has been, uh, slightly lacking. I do want to say thank you to everyone who seems to have, um, found us because of Red Dwarf or Firefly. It it does seem like we're getting some positive responses to those. Yeah, mostly from people who kind of already were listening to us, but it, it does seem like it's... Um, I was afraid that Firefly and Red Dwarf would kind of drop like a stone, you know? But um, particularly Red Dwarf, I was afraid that would just kind of... Like, nobody would give a shit. But so far, it's been uh, really, really positive. So Yeah, so thank we, you, everybody, for your do, continued support. We do have a new website. You can go to oispaceman.com. All our future content is going to get posted there. Um, you can also go to um, our new Facebook group. We have not just a Facebook page, which we're kind of phasing out, but we now have a group. Uh, and if you search for Oyster Basement on Facebook, you can find that. And uh, it's basically been a lot of really fun conversations about Doctor Who and a dwarf and all kinds yeah. of stuff. And right now, it's basically just a list of like some of the smartest people I know talking about Doctor Who. Um, A.K.A. there are like 10 people in the group. There are like 10 people. Come who, join us. 10 people, most of whom who have been on this podcast before, and they're chatting about Doctor Who in really <laughs> cool ways. So um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really fun uh, really fun thing. Um, in other words, Holly gets to come up with some of the questions. Yeah. Sometimes J.B. saying something, and then so we're like, ooh. It's kind of Holly and J.B. and Jack Graham, and uh, I've seen, uh, I don't know, has James Murphy posted on the uh, Facebook page yet? But we've Does had... James Murphy use Facebook? Not much, no. Usually he, usually he just he pesters like me on Twitter. He seems like a not Facebook person. Yeah, he pesters me on Twitter mostly. Yeah. But, you know. Anyway, all of that being said, um, thank you. And we look forward to doing more. And as always, uh, we'd love to see your interaction on those pages. Um, get us some ideas. Yeah, come say hi. We'd love to, you know, basically just come and chat about whatever whatever you listen to on the show. We're basically happy to talk to us. That's probably the best way to reach us these days is to just go and, like, post on, post on that page. So Shayna is always on Facebook. So if you just, like, feel like sharing something... Because it's funny, you can do that. Yep. It'd be fun. <laughs> but anyway, today we're actually, I'm not just talking about the Facebook group and all the fun uh, conversations we have with our friends on there, but mm-hmm. uh, we actually are going to do something I've been kind of thinking about doing for a while, and that is we're, we're going to kind of summarize the last year and a half of this podcast in a way. I don't think we would call it a summary. I think instead of a summary, it's more of a comprehensive review um we're not actually summarizing anything we're Um, gonna go back and look at each each uh companion and uh as daniel said see at first what shana remembers of them well we did i did kind of prep shana i mean we did kind of prep this a little bit so i I am not literally just approaching shana and like 
I thought about giving her random names that weren't actually companions and see what she had to say to them. What did you think of Joe? You remember you remember when Joe was a companion, Shanna? But Joe is a character. Ooh, it's Joe. Joe Grant! Oh, I meant Joe. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, I was hoist on my own petard on that one, wasn't I? Uh. But when I think of Joe, I think Joe Grant. I literally like think that character. I know, I which is why sometimes when you say, do you remember Sarah Kingdom? I'm like, wow, no. And then you show me a picture and I'm like, oh, of course I do. I remember her. She's cool. <laughs> That's Sarah Kingdom. Oh. Yeah. So so anyway, let's just start off here before we actually, because I am going to go through and we're going to talk about every companion, um, at least for a minute or two. Uh, but first... So we started this like December 2014, right after Series Eight ended, yeah. and we watched. I, I'm gonna put a list of the every classic story Shanna has seen in this show notes here, so people can go and kind of look and see what all Shanna's seen. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to read them all off right now. We started with an unearthly child, and um, you know, kind of went through and tried to look at every single companion combination group. So we did a story that had you know Vicky. And Ian and Barbara, and we did a story that had Vicky with Steven and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, we did try to do a little bit of everything, kind of see every combination. I just, you know, what what is going through all of Classic Who for a year and a half? Not watching everything, but watching a whole hell of a lot of it. How do you feel about that? Like, what what have you learned? What what do you remember? What What's this process been like for you? Honestly, I think what stands out to me, sitting and watching it, I don't want to say all in one go, because it certainly wasn't all in one go. You can't be all in one go in a year and a half. But what stands out to me when when I think of companions, I think of really cool women. Yeah. Um. And, and there's something to be said for that. Uh, even though I just made a joke that I didn't remember who Sarah Kingdom was. I mean... Apparently, I don't remember Joe Grant, so, you know. <laughs> right? But even... As we'll get to, you know, Daniel sometimes downplays Joe Grant and that she was meant to be kind of flippy dippy. And I was like, I don't remember her that way. I remember her as really cute and trendy, but smart and and uh, plucky. And she like picks locks and shit. And well, what do you think of? What do you so, think of the pro- What do you think of the show in general? Like having seen a bunch of the classic yeah, series, yeah, and now, like. Not just the companions, but well, like... and what that for me says is looking back and thinking of all these different characters and how they progress and the kind of relationships they have. It's been harder and harder for me to <sighs> look at contemporary Doctor Who without a lot more scrutiny, to be honest, um, because there are a lot of old stories that I think if you give them their fair attention, if you consider the time period that they came out in, they really were very clever and they really were progressive. And um, I know I haven't seen all of the episodes, so you picked the ones that I would like that would be this way. But I think at its best moments throughout the show, it is a piece of high literature. You know, it is a satire Sometimes it is just that high science fiction, which is still kind of a satire of, you know, a society instead of just one specific group. And it's also just, I feel like I learn a lot, period, by watching Doctor Who, even though we have clearly misrepresented time periods and people and... (laughs) 
right. you, <laughs> you mean know. like you learn a little bit about history from watching Doctor Who? Or? I learn a little bit about history, but I also I learn a little bit about the world from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, watching Doctor Who for me has been, I think, very grounding and understanding as I because I have grown up always very aware of pop culture. My mom was born in Hollywood, basically, and lived in Hollywood, basically, her whole life. So I've always had this very, I've always had an inclination toward all things media. And getting to watch all of Doctor Who, you get a history of really television as a media. You get a history of different kinds of acting. Um, There's clearly different kinds of production that come through. But it still is an attempt at keeping this one through line, this one story that regenerates or evolves with each new generation. Yeah. Um, so well, there, there, I was at the end of the day, I found it really rewarding, I think yeah. is what I'm going to say, um, because it really has become, even at its worst points, it is, it, it, it is the only thing like it. It really is. Um, any particular favorite stories or favorite moments, like kind of anything that oh. stands out in your memory is like, that's one. And I know we started a year and a half ago and Shannon does not remember titles very well and I'm not. But I, I'm wondering, is there anything that kind of jumps out as like, this was one I really loved? Honestly, I think there were certain points where I loved every single Doctor. And sure. I am including six. What's your favorite six moment? There, I think probably when he's on trial and you see for a first time a moment of self-awareness and tenderness and he allows himself to be seen as more than a distraction from what he's actually doing. I think that a lot of that character is like, I'm going to be over the top so that I can be a distraction to what's actually going on around me. And I think that, I don't know that that's on purpose. I mean... I, what I found interesting in us talking about the Sixth Doctor, and particularly the Trial of a Time Lord, is that most fans really don't like the trial sequences themselves. They might like the individual stories. They go, well, the trial's kind of a distraction. You really responded to the trial sequences in, I, I in think, like a really em, emphatic way, which yeah. I think is really, really interesting. Um, um, I, I think that there is something... You know, it's one of the moments that I love the Fourth Doctor, too, is when he's on trial. I think... And um, the Deadly Assassin. Yeah, uh, I I think when you whenever the Doctor has to defend himself to someone for some mm. reason, oh, in some way, and the uh, the the Stones of Blood. That's probably the one you're thinking of. Oh yeah, no, no, no. It was Stones of Blood. You're right. But there, any time you get to see that core of the Doctor, and I think Moffat gets it right a lot of the time too. When I say like. You know, he'll have his bad moments, but then he'll have these wonderful, wonderful soliloquies. And I think, I think the soliloquy, this kind of moment where it's not that the doctor's necessarily breaking the fourth wall or having an aside in like the traditional sense, um, uh, that Shakespeare would have with the soliloquy, but it is those moments where you know, as an audience member, that the doctor is giving a speech, and that speech is not just meant for his companions, it is meant for the world. Yeah. Um, and I think that the show always 
feeling the need to take that to task. You know, I feel the same kind of love that I feel towards a lot of geek things. You know, Star Trek, um, X-Men, you know, but... You just said you, you actually did something I never thought you would do on this show. What? You said something nice about Moffat, unbidden. I know, and it's something... Have, have, you, have you gained more respect for Moffat watching the classic series? Or, like, have you changed your opinion about kind of the way the new series works? Having watched all of the classic series? I think, I mean, all of the problems I have with Moffat are there. And I'm, I'm not going to apologize for being harsh, because I do respond viscerally to this show. I think that that is a positive thing. I think art should make us spawn viscerally. I have more of an understanding of how the show itself as kind of this weird living entity on its own that is collaboratively created um, throughout decades. Right. You describe Doctor Who, it doesn't sound real. This collaboratively living form of entertainment that has found its way through fandom and books and and all these things, it still has this kind of key through line of... Even just saying the words season 26. Right? Kind of, kind of just sounds fake, right? Like, you know, it's like Jaws 5000 or something. Well, you and know? I mean, you think of it in terms of the the Iliad in in the kind of story that ultimately it is trying to tell. Like and I think I see that aspect of it more in classic Who. Mm-hmm. I think contemporary Who does not see itself as lasting the test of time. Um I think that Moffat and and that's a lot of my issue right. with Moffat is that it is not meant to last. It is meant to be poof bang fun. Um and I think I mean I think that the 10 years of, of modern who, I mean, I don't think that's mm-hmm. unique to Moffat. I think that Archie de Gardner kind of, you know, well, I think that the show was better under Russell T Davies and Julie Gardner. I, I, I think that there isn't necessarily a sense of lasting import to a lot of it. I'll tell you, you know, for me going through, especially this last year or so, yeah, I've really kind of fallen out of love with the 10th doctor to a large degree. I, you know, and... I mean, it's not that I don't like David Tennant's performance, and it's not that I don't, but but really kind of, I I don't respond to him as my doctor in a way that I did when we first started. Because I had seen all of Classic Who when we started this, but well, I, I... Well, let me put it this way. When I first started watching the show, period, mm-hmm. it was with Nine. Yeah. And you totally fell for Ten right away. Oh, I fell for Nine... First. Yes, but when they were regen- when he regenerated, you were on board with Tenet by the end. By the end of the Christmas invasion, of I'm, the Christmas I'm invasion. definitely you know that the. And <laughs> did you miss me? You know the, that yeah. line. You know, and and then him doing the like ten minute you know goofy speech thing. Yeah, I was I was down with Tenet right then and there. And I was wary. It took me a while, and now when I watch that, I love it. But it did take me a while. So I think that there is less of a difference for me uh-huh. with you because I felt that way when he regenerated. I, I was not in love with him and then I found a way to love him. And I have found that going back with other doctors that there are some that I immediately like and there are some that grow on me and there are some that 
I have parts of them that I like and I have parts of them that I don't like. So yeah, I don't know if it's as quite a distinct difference for me as sure. you're kind of making it to be. I think that... Um, I think for me it's not even so much... I think it's interacting with fandom and in particular kind of interacting with the critical part of fandom that I normally, you know, kind of reading essays and interacting mm-hmm. with, you know, people like, you know, Jack Graham and Phil Sandifer and, you know... yeah. Um, and, and kind of, for me, it's, it's, it's as much a part of the conversation around the show. And I realized that, like, the things that I kind of fell in love with with the Tenth Doctor are really more almost David Tennant things than they are Tenth Doctor things. And, and that's true, but, like, a lot of what I fell in love with about the Fourth Doctor are Tom Baker things. Sure. And a lot of what made me fall out of love with the fourth doctor tom baker things too but you know the 10th doctor i think i don't coddle him quite the same way i i feel like i do understand that he i think he does get selfish um toward the end and i think we're gonna talk about this in a future essays or essay uh (laughs) podcast i'm not gonna go into it too much right now but i think it makes an interesting story arc i think David Tennant is just kind of an amazing actor and Christopher Eccleston is just an amazing actor. I would still argue that both of them have moments of soliloquizing (laughs) uh, that speak to the big picture to me in the same way that the classic doctors have. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's not, it's less that I'm not saying that David Tennant or the 10th Doctor doesn't have moments of brilliance and wonder and, and mm-hmm. all those sorts of great things. I think that my ardor for the 10th Doctor in general has cooled a little bit. 9th Doctor is still, like, my guy. Like, he is, for, for me, the 9th Doctor is, you know... I think, That though, first year is amazing. I think, though, that the 9th Doctor, and I think he has... The positive and the negative of choosing to only be there one season. Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder so, what what a season two or a series two with Eccleston might have been like. Right, um, and he kept it tight, so there's not a whole lot to criticize. Um, and I think that that is a reason to love the Ninth Doctor. I also think seeing everything that led up to the Ninth Doctor, I think the Ninth Doctor feels so natural a way to you know as somebody who saw the ninth doctor before i saw all of classic who coming back to him i'm like of course this is how you would do doctor who again right well of course this is what it it feels like it makes so much sense but i realize like that that's very hard to do in reality in a couple months we're going to cover some ninth doctor stuff uh particularly i want to cover rose um, yeah, first episode, and there's and... one that we may cover that I said I would never cover, but I'm going to. Well, I had originally thought after we finish, I'll work. You're going to get to the TV movie, yeah. which we're still going to do that too, but that's pushed back a couple months probably. But my original plan was we're going to cover all the Ninth Doctor stories in order, just uh, because fuck, I love the Ninth Doctor, and I'm making <laughs> schedule. Uh, I, I've decided not to subject our audience to me gushing over Christopher Eccleston for you know. <laughs> 13 episodes or 12 episodes well, in a row. But I think what I love about Christopher Eccleston and what I love about each doctor when he gets his right moment is Christopher Eccleston approached this show and said, I am known for being a serious actor. I want to show that I can be funny too. 
Yeah. And it is that recognition of I have <clears throat> I have more than one side to me. I, I am willing to be both big and brave and powerful, but I am understand that I need to be vulnerable as well. Every doctor, I think, has that moment. I think it's interesting that Eccleston has, has kind of said in interviews, like I, I read an interview with him where he basically said, you know, I'm I'm happy with my performance, but if I had to do it over again, I would have pulled back a little bit on some of the goofiness of his comedy, the way he delivers some of the lines. Um, I'm paraphrasing, but I, I think that, you know, he, he does kind of say, you know, I maybe push that a little bit broad in some of those moments. Um, I, I think it still works. I think that it it works as this almost kind of manic, you know, kind of dark, mysterious figure performance. Yes, but. I, and I agree totally. I can see why he would want to pull back, but that's because he's a very he he's a very fastidious actor. He, he is. seems when he talks about his own acting, it is. Anyways, um, well, so so let's let's uh, let's go into the classic series a little bit here. Um, yeah, it's already been almost thirty minutes, so we should probably get to the stuff we're actually talking about for the episode. Sure. Um, actually, before I mean, this is this is just you and me chatting about Doctor Who. Um, by the way, there are probably going to be more episodes that we do, uh, which are kind of looking at more big picture stuff. And now that we've kind of shown Shana a big chunk of the classic series, so we can kind of ask bigger questions so if there are kind of issues that you want us to deal with like specifically in episodes let us know i'm hoping this uh that the voice space man the, the doctor who track of voice space man won't just be looking at individual stories anymore um although that's still going to be a lot of it fair enough um as long as we're talking about companions uh we had news since the last time we talked about doctor oh my who. god oh my god oh my god oh my god she's so cute Pearl Mackey. I can't wait. As Bill. A girl named Bill. And I don't... I... Everything. I... I mean, a black girl with a fro. With a... With, like, a good fro. And she... She's... Oh, she... Yeah. I'm so happy. I'm so excited. Now, now let's see how Moffat fucks it up. That's kind of my next... (laughs) Please don't. 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 Uh, I don't you know, even want to think so, of it. So the I just, show did I'm release. so excited that they have another person of color on the show. <laughs> um, what do you think of the performance in general? I mean, honestly, they gave us this little two-minute thing, and it's basically Pearl Mackey, like, making fun of Daleks, you know? What, it's got to stop? I mean, it's basically like, oh, this is goofy, like, you're going to fall in love with me dialogue. I'm kind of okay with that, but I have no idea what this character is going to no. be like. No, I... It, it... <clears throat> I love the image of the character, and but that's all we have, really. Yeah, I'm, we don't. We don't. Pearl Mackey is the actress's Mackey, name. Yep. She is adorable. The interviews she's done, she seems psyched to be like the next companion. Which who and wouldn't she's be mostly at this done point? theater to now, which I think is an interesting kind of thing. Is that like we really don't have a lot of like TV or anything with her in it um, that I know of. That makes a lot of sense. I I am. St- suspecting that perhaps Capaldi has a little something to do with that. It wouldn't surprise me at all. It would not surprise me one bit, especially because, man, I know that Capaldi knows that he is on a family show. He is a huge fan of this, but I've also kind of been, since I've been missing new Capaldi, I've gone back and watched some of his interviews Mm -hmm. where it's like, 
already known that he's going to be Doctor Who and he's on Craig Ferguson and they were talking about when they did Hassan together. <laughs> That's awesome, isn't it? So there is this sense, I just get this sense from Capaldi that he is wanting to make Doctor Who real again um, to him. And that the one thing that people romanticize about Ten and therefore, and, and really because of Tenant, is that Tenant came in as a huge fan of Doctor Who and that brought an energy and a love and an excitement that wasn't there. There is something about Capaldi that just makes me feel like the longer we get him, the more energy we are going to get back. And maybe sometimes the writing is not always going to make sense. (laughs) (laughs) But there is... There is this building excitement. So presenting this new companion is just like this ball of personality. Right. Um, Which is really all we get at this point anyway. Is right. Like, what is this What is this actress going to be like? What What kind of thing are we looking at? We will... I, I feel guarded optimism at this yeah. point. I mean, it may very well be that Series 10, that Moffat will go out on a high note. I mean, honestly, they've only gotten better. 8 and 9 have been... Right. Nine's better than eight, and eight's better than anything in the Matt Smith years. Um, so, so you know, I, I think that Moffat will go out on a high note. Um, there, you know, and, and then and then Chibnall will take over, yeah. and uh, they're talking about like actually doing a real like writers' room on Doctor Who, starting when Chibnall takes over, which I think fantastic. Is certainly idea. something. It's certainly something that can be debated about whether you know it will like fundamentally change the show. But if you're going to treat this as kind of a prestige drama, you've got to have a fucking writer's room. There's Absolutely. just... Um, Absolutely. That it That is just the way that this is done. Right. And uh, I, I'm just, I'm excited. I, and literally, if my only reasons for liking her are that she's black, has natural hair, has dark, is a darker complexion, has a thick accent. Yeah. There are all these things that we've been asking for of, like, just give us somebody who feels recognizable. And can we say girl named Bill? Like, there's a possibility of, like, a genderqueer element to this character as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's all potential right now. I don't want to get our hopes up. But, like, this could be a really positive thing. It can also end up being a disaster. And we're going to find out next year. (laughs) Yeah. So, um... Right now, I I am totally letting myself ride ride the hype. Yeah, no, I mean because she she seems her and Capaldi, even though they only they've only given us this short bit of dialogue, it, it I'm waiting for the doctor to say fuckity fuck shut up, you know, like because <laughs> they they have it that tight, you know, they have that kind of yeah, no, I I get it, I get it, I get uh, it, comedic timing back and. Uh, as much as I love Jenna Coleman, I don't think that she was of that kind of acting, per se. Um, the stuff she's going toward now, I think, is much more her style. I don't think that she wants to do the super punchy up. I don't know. Okay. I'm talking out my ass. We're, we're, let's let's just move on. Um, no. let's, let's actually talk about Classic Who now. Yay! And since you mentioned it, you mentioned that every doctor had a bit. So before we actually get to the companions, we'll kind of round off with the companions. But I'm wondering, tell me what you think about each doctor. And and so so let's start with uh, the first doctor. Like, in a couple of words, what do you think of Hartnell? Okay, do we want to make this a game and I have to give it, like, two words? No. All all I'm asking is, like, tell me what you think in general about the first doctor. Uh... 
or like a moment that you really liked for the first doctor something like that you know? there there it's it's hard because the more we have watched of the show and we go back and rewatch episodes and i'm not going to lie the uh docudrama the the doctors revisited or whatever it was called no the one oh adventure in space of time adventure in space of time definitely gave me a, a certain a tenderness towards hartnell that yeah. may be undeserved uh probably is more deserving of the actor who played hartnell whose name i can't remember right now i think that hartnell will always have a sort of platinum quality about him you just you can't touch him even for his uh foibles or foibles however you say that <laughs> even for for his his weaknesses which he had many um the first doctor is the first doctor yeah and he established a character and you know I've said it before. I'll say it again. My favorite Dalek episode is still probably always going to be the first Dalek episode. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, even though I, I really like a lot of the other Dalek episodes, um, I think that they were the truest Daleks then in some ways. they had The Daleks are the best in that story, are among the best yeah. I'll ever be in that story. I think the story is kind of a disaster. Oh, yeah. yeah and, but but you know me, are, like, yeah. I will go for character moments over, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, actual plot a lot of the time. Um, and that's part of why I love the first Doctor so much, is he has innumerable character moments. Mm -hmm. um, but, of course, the, the line that, Daniel quotes to me all the time if he wants me to cry. <laughs> Which one? The, remember, I, I will come back. <laughs> well, we haven't even, I haven't even shown you that story yet. That's in the Dalek Invasion of Earth. That's, one day, I will come back. Yes, I will come back. I've just shown you that little bit of him, like, that's the most famous Hartnell line ever. We are going to do the Dalek Invasion of Earth pretty he soon. He just, he has those grand moments of just... I think he is kind of the one that when, whenever I think of who, which Time Lord really feels like they have an eye on all of time, mm -hmm. I think Hartnell feels that way the yeah. most. And maybe that's his age, and some of that is because of his performance of just bumbling and stumbling. Well, and if and you're retcon it, he's also the one who's like still the most kind of plugged into Gallifrey. Right. I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, Hartnell wasn't even alive when you know they finally used the term actually no that's not true no i can't remember if he did died that by that point or not but anyway you know hartnell hartnell never never knew the word gallifrey while he was performing no the role. but but the idea i think that there is something unique that hartnell did um with his doctor because he was the first one who had to hear i mean he was at least called a time lord right no no what did they call him <laughs> They didn't call him anything. It was completely like... He's just the doctor. Yeah. I mean, so he knows that he can travel through time He's and just space. a mysterious character. Like, it's you know, just he, mystery. He knows that, you know, he has these things. And somehow, this very unique character came out. And I don't think that there's anything like the first doctor. Yeah, no, I mean... Um, so it's just, it's hard to really talk about him in a fair way, because <laughs> I do just romanticize the fuck out of him. I, I, I love Hartnell's performance. I think, I think he's, he, he's one of my favorite classic doctors, and I he think is. that he gets a lot of 
bullshit from from fandom who doesn't quite get what's going on um but let, let's move on let, let's... he's the grandpa general you know <laughs> like if you ever saw white christmas like <laughs> even though i rewatched that recently and oh my god so racist oh yeah <laughs> so racist but the idea of they got the general... some strange fruit in that white christmas oh jeez. anyways but that idea of that um your grandfather who was a general and who's smart but maybe smarter than you know but has a mysterious past that he doesn't one of my about. favorite Hartnell moments is when he walks into the inferno club in the war machines where like polly works there or polly is like the, the dolly bird there and he walks in and like the youth culture like has embraced this guy like, he's like, oh, he looks like that guy. Like, he's super cool. Like, like the, dude, he, that fucker is dope. <laughs> and he walks in like he owns the place. I, I love that moment. I mean, people, people, I mean, I can't imagine any of the other doctors walking in to the Inferno Club the way Martin walks into the Inferno Club. I think it's, it's amazing. And, and I think that that is, again, that is part of Hartnell's doctor. Mm-hmm. Is he can just walk in anywhere and people say, okay. I, I love that he's both kind of this symbol for, like, uh... You know, like he's this, he's this old white guy, right? You yeah. know, but he's also such a symbol of the counterculture because of like what he represents as the doctor. Yeah, and so he, like he there reminds is this... me of like uh, the Disney Sword in the Stone, Merlin. I don't remember that at all. So okay, you know, so we're just gonna have to move on from that. But anyway, yeah, sure, sounds great. Moving on. What do you think of Troughton, second doctor? I will never really understand how they thought that looked like a Beatles haircut. Okay, third doctor then. <laughs> uh, but other than that, I mean, I will admit, Troughton was the one that before I watched an episode, I, he and Six were the ones I'm like, I'm just not going to like them. And even Peter Davison with the celery, I'm like, oh no, he looks cool. Uh, Troughton and so you didn't re- you, you you were kind of thinking i'm not gonna like trouton just because of like the way he's dressed or the hairstyle yeah, the, or he looked he he just looked a little frumpy and dumpy and the, the little bits i have seen of him were when he throws his little hissies and like <laughs> knowing the rest of his character when he throws a hissy it's just like oh doctor i love you i want to <laughs> hold you and cuddle you and I want to watch Zoe make a computer explode and then just giggle together because they're all so cute. Um, Charles not in that scene, but like he might, he's there in spirit. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh God, I need to show you the protons. That's Robert Holmes's first script. Ah, oh, Bobby H. Dog. Anyways, the Doctor and Zoe are getting to uh, fight computers together. Oh, that sounds adorable. <laughs> but that's the thing. I mean, Troughton again remade the character in a way that I don't think anybody else would have. Like, you can't really say that. He's a phenomenal actor. He has some really... One of my favorite stories of all time, the... um, The invasion? The enemy of the world, in which he gives a dual performance Mm -hmm. and is just amazing. There's just so much to like about Troughton. I don't really get the space hobo thing still. (laughs) I get, I kind of get more that he is a bit absent-minded and doesn't give a shit about what he looks like, but, like, supposedly that's a trendy haircut, and, like, most of the time he just looks, like, rather comfortable. (laughs) Which Shana just responds to, like, yeah, he just looks comfortable, why wouldn't you just wear what makes you seem comfortable? See, and I, yeah, I... 
That's what, you know what? Shana's too much of a hippie to really get why people think the second doctor is weird. Shana's like, yeah, of course he'd wear that. I That's it. The second doctor's the hippie doctor. He, he really is. I think when people say cosmic hobo, they kind of mean hippie. It's sort of the same thing. Okay. So. Well, so yeah. He's he's the one. Wow. I'm admitting this. I, di- I, didn't, I didn't even know this about myself. I think he's the one who I would want to go with. Uh, if you were going to travel. If I was going to travel with a doctor, I I think it might be Troughton. So would you travel with the second doctor by himself, or would you want to be with some of his companions? I'd want to be with some of his companions, sure. But so I Jamie, think... Ben and Polly, Jamie, Victoria, or Jamie, Zoe? I think I just want to stay there with Jamie the whole time through everybody. Okay. And just hang out with Jamie? Yeah. And we'd, I'd, I'd essentially switch that i would just want to be jamie uh, i i met fraser hines i i think he would appreciate like i would have loved to got to do what you got to do because he would probably say yeah it was great awesome um but <laughs> you want to throw rocks at quarks <laughs> <laughs> but i mean I, I could say that about every doctor to be yeah. honest but there is something about troughton um and perhaps I am particularly swayed because I have sat and listened to Fraser Hines and Wendy Padbury, Wendy Padbury, uh, and Deborah Watling, and Deborah Watling. That's right. Talk about just what a wonderful human <clears throat> being he was. In addition to being an actor, that is just impeccable. So I think that there is again a level of there's the first Doctor, but there's also William Hartnell, right? And there's the second Doctor, but there's also Patrick Troughton. Sure. And the for me it's it every doctor you kind of get to that point where you start to realize it's not just the doctor it's the person who's bringing the doctor to life. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the doctor kind of fights with the actor and the actor kind of fights with the doctor but the end result is is what we get. So um but yeah, Troughton really surprised me. I think just because I didn't know how technically skilled he was beforehand. Oh, yeah, he's and like that. I said, you know, I have that little bit of theater background that is enough for me to really just appreciate fine acting. Um, and so I, I, I adore him and I adore most of his companions, um, because of how he treats them, I yeah. think. I well, Troughton only has, I mean, it's, He's got Ben and Polly for a few episodes. And right. And he's got Jamie throughout his entire run, uh, except for the first story, The Power of the Daleks, where um, Jamie doesn't show up yet. And then he really only has Victoria and then Zoe. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. so, so I mean, we're kind of used to, uh, you know, Hartnell has like 85 companions, but, <laughs> you know, um, Trout really only has like three, really, because most of the Ben and Polly stuff doesn't exist anymore. And I think... Honestly, I know Hartnell has tons of companions, but I think the, those first four. Well, we're gonna you know, we're gonna there there gets to a point in each doctor's career where I think you like that's kind of his team. That's kind well, of the team I like best. Let's come back to that idea here in a minute because okay. I do want to like uh, so Pertwee. What do you think of Pertwee? Pertwee, I it was kind of very much a Doctor Who goes James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it grew on me, and I will admit, I do not get him as a sex symbol, (laughs) 
that is not my time period for sex symbols. But the fact that he is so the sex symbol for um, Camille Kaduri, Camille Kaduri, but also other British women that I have yeah, met yeah, yeah. around that age, uh, when I asked them, like, I he's used... like the real life Austin Powers. Yeah, you know, like exactly. he's, it's very much he like you really know, is. groovy baby. You know, like... yeah, and oh, look at my car. Um, but what's look, so, look what at I my look is... at my frilly shirt. I used to work at a call center with a woman who was not even a huge fan of Doctor Who. But I said, but you still watched it every Christmas, right? And she's like, oh, yeah, you always watch the Christmas special. And I was like, so who's your doctor? And she's like, oh, Pertwee, he's so sexy. (laughs) And the fact that whenever I hear, if Pertwee's your favorite, it's almost always followed by, he's so sexy. There is just this element of... Oh, you Bond doctor. And so, I don't know. He is he is his own doctor. <laughs> and he also uh, gets to, to introduce one of my favorite side characters, coincidentally. Which one? Sam Zealy. Oh, yeah. No, that's <laughs> so, true. That's true. Um, but yeah, I, I think... Do you even remember the story that Sam Zealy appears in? Yeah, Thunderballs. Do you remember the title of the episode? Arc from Space? Or, no, no, something head, something from space. Wow, nicely done. Spearhead from space. Spearhead. Yeah, something Pumpkin head. Pumpkinhead from space. <sighs> All I right. The clash at demon head. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, fourth doctor. <clears throat> Mr. T. Baker. Oh, God. Okay. I, I mean, this Hold is. On. Let's, I mean... Let's, let's not. Let's not. There's seven years of this, and, like, there's a whole lot. So make it brief. But, you we're, know. yeah, I, we're. So... We're almost at an hour long, and I'm just... It's fine. This will be a two-hour podcast. Oh, it so is. Anyways, uh, uh, Tom Baker, again, he is a cult of personality. You, uh, We covered enough of his episodes that I think you, everyone kind of who has listened to our show gets that I immediately loved him, and I had a very similar, oh, yeah, he's... Yeah, that's my doctor. Some of those early episodes, because we covered like his entire first season, Mm -hmm. and episodes two and three of this podcast. Right. A lot of the, like, the Ark in Space we covered along with Robot and Santaran Experiment. We will definitely come back to the Ark in Space and kind of cover that by itself at some point. Man, how did we do that? I was really aggressively trying to get you to see, like, everything immediately, and that was so not the way to go with this podcast. But... We are going to do an entire episode maybe on the Genesis maybe of the Maybe I'll start remembering titles, because <laughs> I'll get to think about them longer. Anyway, no, but like, yes, Tom Baker, I was immediately on board with that cult of personality. We covered Spearhead from Space in episode six. Shut up. You still remember that. Like, that's, I'm amazed that you still remember Sam Seeley. It's great. <sighs> because I, because Sam Seeley became... I mean, it's Sam Seeley and Chantho, you know, like, anyway. Tom Baker. Tom Baker, I was immediately on board with. I loved, I totally loved his swag. But then, yeah, I got tired of it. And, um. Well, clearly he did too. At least least to some degree. I mean, for me, rewatching, kind of watching through with you and doing Mm -hmm. the podcast, I was a little bit harsh about Tom Baker, like, kind of before I revisited a lot of it. Yeah. I think he's still great all the way up to the end. Um, but he's he's very 
it's a, it's a very different kind of performance in a lot of ways. Yes, there is an arc to his character that I do not like, and knowing that that is mirrored with his real life and knowing issues, how much of a dick he was to some of the people he worked with definitely affects the way I feel about the. Yeah, and getting to see, I know I mentioned it when we watched um, the episode. We saw the behind the scenes for an episode he did with Leela, Invisible Enemy. Yeah, I think so. Where where you're seeing kind of the raw footage of some of the special effects stuff. Yeah, and there's a for for anybody who doesn't remember that episode, uh, there's a uh, special effects kind of basically just raw footage, so you just get to see them acting together and how they were making it. And uh, Tom Baker's kind of a dick to Louise Jameson. I uh, just very physically aggressive in a way that was shocking to me um, because I had I. I, I, even as a woman, I have not lived through the 70s or whenever that was, so... That was um, 1975? Yeah, yeah. so uh, it it was... It definitely colored my viewing of him. I still love him. I still love his doctor, and I love who he is now and how he has kind of taken back the doctor and owned it as an older man with... Yeah. Some we need to maybe do some wisdom. of his big finish. I think it would be interesting to do. I'm, so. I'm psyched to listen to his big finish. If people do want us to do some big finish, leave us notes because, I mean, there's no way. I'm, I, I, I've am i listened to barely any big finish. And so yeah. I don't just want recommendations from the audience about what you'd like yeah. to see us cover. So um, I don't know. I, let's just move on from Tom Baker. Yeah. There's just We've talked so a lot about Tom, Tom Baker, Baker on this show. From Tom Baker, we go to Davison, Davison? right? Yeah. Davison... And now we're in the 80s. Right. <laughs> and we all know how Shanna responded to the 80s in Doctor Who. It, it, not positively. Um, honestly, there are still moments with Davison, some of which are with Turlo. I think he tried to give a very understated performance um, in spite of a very overstated situation because of kind of the hype of the 80s. And it just didn't seem to fit. And Davison has said in interviews that he felt like he played it at the wrong age. Whether or not that is correct, I think it was clear he felt like he was playing it at the wrong age. <laughs> yeah. Um, he didn't quite feel comfortable in the role. Uh, I, I'd say that about Matt Smith. Matt in Smith a lot of might ways. grow into. I mean, imagine like Matt Smith in like ten years doing Big Finish. Matt Smith is about to do a miniseries that looks impeccably cast and he looks like he's going to be he's at the right point to tackle these kinds of roles and i'm really excited about it um it's about the royalty i don't remember the the name of it but um i have no idea what you're talking about because i don't pay attention to any culture that i'm not actively podcasting because that's daniel (laughs) because podcasting takes up enough of my (laughs) free time um (laughs) this is what happens when you're on four podcasts a week you know but there again, there's still lots of I think moments where Davison is really enjoyable, um, where we do get scenes that are written to him <laughs> to be quiet and understated, and uh, when when the right stuff comes his way, that he really gets to emote in the way that he wants to. I think it, he can be I, I, powerful. I, I think but... one of the issues with Davison is that he's. For most of the time that Davison's on screen, 
he's paired with Tegan. <laughs> yeah, he's either paired with Tegan or he's kind of out of sorts. Yeah, it's like, kind of, you know. Um, and God damn Tegan. She just We're is... going to get to Tegan, don't worry. I, let, let's save Tegan for like when we actually talk about Tegan. Right. But um, you kind of already talked a little bit about the Sixth Doctor. I mean, yeah. you know, th- this is obviously an era where, you know, we're not necessarily looking very positively at the show in general i mean this is there are no. things that colin baker is not responsible for a lot of the like no. terrible things that are done in his name in the sixth doctor but i do think in the moments where you kind of see colin baker acting against what's on the page and as we get later into his term and everything is still just as wildly colored, but it feels a little bit darker. So maybe a little bit more muted. Um, I think we do get some good moments with him, but overall, yeah, it's not his fault. It, yeah. it It's, it's not, there were so many bad choices made. I agreed. Um, seventh doctor. I mean, you've only really seen one story with the seventh doctor, yeah. so I guess it's unfair to, to talk about him. But... No, it's not. So let's just skip have, the Seventh Doctor. I have seen so many gifts of the Seventh Doctor. I feel like we were old friends before we ever met. So the plan with the Seventh Doctor is we actually are going to do quite a few of his stories. Um, kind of not right up in a row here, but actually our, our frequent uh, pal Henry, who disagrees with us on politics and just about everything, but has been listening to this show since episode one, um, specifically like requested that we do a, a bunch of the Seventh Doctor and, you know, I'm nothing if not, um, you know, compliant to our listeners. So um, I have, uh, we are going to do um, uh, Happiness Patrol next week. We are going to very quickly do Ghostlight and Curse of Fenric. Um, we're not going to do those kind of all right in a row, uh, but those are kind of up next in the immediate queue. Um, there's a fourth Doctor story we're going to do kind of coming up pretty soon um, from the Hinchcliffe era because we didn't cover a lot of the Hinchcliffe era. Um, but we have a guest kind of coming on for that. Anyway, that'll I'll kind of talk about that more as we get into it. So coming to back it. to Sylvester McCoy. But the, so so just to let you know, I know Shanda's only seen Dragonfire right now. But what do you think of Dragonfire and uh, uh, Sylvester you know, McCoy? I, again, I feel like I'm saying the same thing over and over again. Uh, I, I, as I get to appreciate what makes Sylvester McCoy a good actor, mm-hmm. I can see why he's going to be a good doctor. Um, and he immediately comes on with this, like, very odd skill set of, you can tell that he is vaudevillian. Yeah. Um, like, there is no hiding that, like, he is dressed in kind of a vaudeville style, even. He carries an umbrella. Like, what yeah. else do you need to say about Sylvester um, McCoy's doctor? But there's the seventh doctor who I already can tell is going to be quirky and interesting and like, oh, yes, okay, well, yeah, sure, I'll trust the monster. Why wouldn't I? Like, he, again, much more my kind of doctor, like, friendly, <laughs> open, <laughs> well, there's likes a, there's humanity. A, and in a lot of ways, and what we're going to kind of find out as we move forward is that the Seventh Doctor is the darkest, possibly the darkest of all the Doctors. Oh, that's going to be interesting. For um, because he's like kind of this chess master Doctor, and he's like he's he's actually like manipulating events behind the scenes and that sort of thing. Oh. Um, and so uh, we're Rut actually going to cover we're actually going to cover quite a few stories where he's a little bit more of a nebulous, morally ambiguous figure. Oh, um, I might like him too much then. <laughs> oh, it's always scary when you get gonna... to those. Uh... We'll get to that. I, I, I didn't want, I, I was trying, I was not going to even like tell you that that's kind of what's happening just to see how you responded to it. But I mean, we are going to get a lot more into the seventh doctor. 
There's also just Sylvester McCoy, yeah. who is just, again, a personality. Um, and any doctor that he was going to play was going to be a doctor that I would like. Yep. Is kind of how I see it. I can tell that there will be a tenant-ishness to my fandom of him. Because I was, like, I just like Sylvester McCoy. I haven't even seen much of him as an actor. I've seen a lot of him in interviews. Um, and he's just charming. <laughs> uh, and just... I want to watch more of him. And I'm, that's how I feel about David Tennant. Even as he it plays evil characters, I'm just like, oh, but he's doing it so well. Stop it. <laughs> um, well, I mean, the Seventh Doctor doesn't go like full on Killgrave or anything. I mean, yeah. this is still like the Doctor. Right. Um, uh, but it, but he's he kind of manipulates Ace a bit. And, you know, but yeah, sort of thing, so, so I can already, I mean, I, and I think that that's something that I'm learning more about just how I watch shows is um, I am, I can be swayed by a character's performance over the actual narrative of the text. If the performance, if like the actor can bring something to it that makes me just want to go with it. And so I think that that's part of the reason I am more sympathetic to a lot of Moffat fans, because I know I just didn't connect with Matt Smith. Yeah, Matt Smith is. Hey, let's we'll not, let's not talk about Matt we'll Smith. We'll get there later. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll talk, let's talk about Matt Smith down the line. Let's not yeah. like ruin uh, my feelings about the classic companions by trying to like dig into the Matt Smith era again. Anyway, um, so let's actually talk about the companions and, and kind of go okay. through. And, so we're just going through classic companions. Yeah, I'm not. This is this is uh, you know totally looking back at the classic series now okay. that you've seen a whole bunch of it. All right. And um, should we go in a Forward order or reverse order? Well, let's go in forward order. Okay. Start off with Barbara, Ian, and Susan. So, Barbara. What do you think of Barbara? Barbara is an inspiration. Uh, I think she is as much Verity as Verity could put into the show. This idea of this teacher Mm -hmm. who wants to go out and understand people and is just as much part of the action and... When she makes mistakes, the doctor corrects her, but he also understands, like, I understand you want to change this time period and you don't want things to happen this way, but I can tell you it has to, so we just have to let this one go. Which is, I mean, Barbara is phenomenal, and I mean, there, I, I could probably make the case that Barbara is the greatest companion the show has ever had. Oh, yeah. Quite honestly. Um, I mean... She's, she just... I I think again though she she is so much because she is the original companion. Um, I think of Ian as just kind of having to be there because at the time a woman couldn't have done that by herself. Yeah, well, let's talk about Ian then. While we're, I mean, we kind of have to talk yeah. about her together. They they come on together, yeah. and together. And, Ian, what do you think of Ian? I I I think of Ian as like you know he's the manly man. He's He's nice and supportive, and he tries to represent rationale and kind of soldierly appeals, as it were, um, compared to Barbara's much more emotional and empathetic appeals. He's just very traditional masculine figure. Yeah. And, I mean, it is, you can kind of tell looking at that first couple of years, at least in that first mm-hmm. few serials, 
I think that the, you know, Sidney Newman is kind of thinking like, well, Ian's going to kind of be our hero character. And, you know, the Doctor is just kind of the eccentric guy in the corner kind of making yeah. the plot happen or whatever. But Ian's going to be our hero. And it's really fascinating how fast that just falls completely out. And then Ian well, just becomes almost like a goofy, like, Ian you know, becomes this character that, like, honestly, the joke of Ian is that Barbara's constantly shutting him down. <laughs> As she should. Absolutely. It's, I mean, it, it makes me think of, in some ways, th- what is hyper-satirized in Futurama with um, that Leela and... And Zap Brannigan. And Zap Brannigan, you know? Th- this is although, not that. Although, although Ian is not, like, you know, pseudo-rapist, no. you know? No, 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 no. So, like, he is not that character, but there is a little bit of, like, he is Kendall and she is Barbie. Nope, nope, she's not Barbie. She's smarter than Barbie. Oh, wait, <laughs> wait, Barbie has balls of steel and whoa you know um she challenges him a lot and i think what she makes him more interesting and that's one of the reasons you love her so much and you kind of like ian because barbara likes ian yeah yeah, i know i mean and the doctor respects ian because there are a few times where ian kind of steps up as the like dude barbara is just gonna push this and she's gonna end up getting hurt and like I don't want anyone to get hurt. He's very much the patriarchal kind of figure in our family unit. I mean, the the first group is very much like a family unit. Yeah, no, I agree. Susan. Susan, oh, Susan. Go go ahead. Grandfather. Grandfather seems to be enjoying himself. Do you have anything else to say about Susan, really? I, I, I know I make fun of her, but I adore her. She she is who Again, she is. Not Carol Ann Ford's fault that that character didn't work. No, no. But oh, let's just move on. Yes, Vicky, Vicky, Vicky with her pigtails. Vicky with her pigtails, which I don't remember much about her, but I anarchist loved her. revolutionary. Yeah, Vicky. okay, so that's why yeah. I loved her. Uh, <laughs> I just remember thinking she was cute as a button, and like I wanted to be her. You remembered Vicky. I mean, when we were first watching Vicky episodes, you remember her in like the Time Meddler, where she's like constantly needling Stephen. Oh yeah. And you remember her in the Romans because she's like hanging out with Hartnell, and like she's laughing at Hartnell's jokes, and he's like fighting this, uh, you know, guy. She's a shit she, kicker. She's I like hanging her. out. With, she's hanging out with the poisoner and being like, "Oh, I'm gonna go kill this guy." <laughs> like, yeah. She yes yes she's she's a shit kicker, and she is definitely. I don't think she's around long enough, um, or at least maybe we haven't watched. We didn't. We only watched a couple of her stories. I mean, you know, Vicky is like definitely one. More of her. We're definitely going to come back to Vicky. There are a handful of her stories that are really like. I tried not to watch like all the really good ones. It was kind of like let's pick and choose so we can kind of come back to some. Uh, there's one called the Space Museum that we've been talking about a little bit on the Oi Space Man Facebook group, and it just kind of made me go. Fuck, we have to do the Space Museum. Shana's gonna love Vicky and the Space Museum. Oh, I love Vicky. Okay. So. Um, but yeah, so Vicky is one of those characters that uh, I don't really have a whole lot of memory about, except for like, oh, she's cool. Okay. So like, that's the short of it. How about Steven? You're gonna have to show me a picture of Steven. <laughs> Steven. 
<laughs> exactly. He's he's a little bit of the like the new Ian. He's the guy that Vicky's like needling the entire time in the Time Meddler, and he's in the Dallas Master Plan. He's the one. <laughs> you remember the bit like Stephen sits motionless. <laughs> Steven. I remember Steven. And that tells me all I really need to know about Steven and Shana's feelings about Steven. <laughs> I you know what's funny is you you Google it on Classic Who and it's like not not even all the images are of him. <laughs> Most of them are of the first doctor saying in- interesting things. Ponzi fun cute, yes, new Ian, yes, okay, whatever, I don't remember him. So uh, I think we're just going to skip Katarina and Sarah Kingdom because in prepping for this, Shanna had no functional memory of the Daleks' master plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except they both die in the Daleks' master plan. Um, Wait, know. so which one was other than Sarah Kingdom? Katarina is the, the girl who didn't know what a key was and then like dies in the oh. airlock in the Daleks' master plan. And that's pretty much all she does in the entire series. Like, that's it. Like, that's her role in the series is to come on and then die. And then Sarah Kingdom is, like, badass catsuit girl played by Jean Marsh. Yes, and she seems super cool. And as soon as I looked at a picture of her, I was like, oh, yeah, she's super cool. Um, I, I, the, I remember the story of Katarina. I can't imagine her face right now, but. No, it's fine. Um. Yeah. There's barely even even any moving footage that exists of that character. So that's probably that's why, pro- too. I mean, I do not have any expectation that you have working memories of Katarina. Um, or Dodo, partly because right. I only showed you the War Machines with Dodo in it, and she's barely in that one. So, um, you know, one of these days I'm going to show you the Gunfighters and uh, the Ark, both of which she's in and fully exists, but... We'll skip Dodo as well, because you don't have any memory ever. Yeah. Ben? Ben Jackson? Ben, you As know. portrayed by Elliot Chapman in Big Finish now. Oh, right. It's the same character. Michael yes. Craze is the version I'm asking you about. But. You know, so much of Ben in my mind is Ben and Polly. Well, how about Ben and Polly together, then? How do you and feel about Ben and Polly? I love them. I think Polly... It, like you said, the doctor walks into this basically like pub where Polly's kind of a go-go dancer and Ben is just a sailor, a sailor, just, just kind of hanging out and they're both up for an adventure. And what's not to like about that? I think that that's kind of the whole point of them. Are they a bit Aryan nation? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh yeah i mean we did also watch we also did watch the 10th planet with them and the moon base so yeah um, and um, you gotta you gotta a nice look at kind of what exists from ben and polly and i think for for the fact that she is meant to be a not very well educated kind of go-go dancer kind of girl she's a secretary who can't type She's a secretary who can't type. I, I think that she still gets to have a lot of moments where she gets to do things. I agree. But she gets to have agency, even in little ways. And as a girl 
who is a geek about fashion, like, mm-hmm. I'm going to admit that, her fashion is really interesting. This is when I really start thinking more about the collaborative effort behind Doctor Who, because I think her clothing for the first time starts to feel like a statement as part of the character. I don't think that's the first time. I mean, I think that that's something that we've seen. But but certainly Polly's, what Polly looks like is very really important. is tied into who Polly is. Probably yes. more so than any other companion in the sixties. Like like And and that I I maybe I forgive that because she is a dancer for a living and well, so like she's a secretary. She's kind of a she's kind of like working at the, you know, she's the a secretary club. who works at the night as a dancer, is more may probably makes more money as a dancer. Like I'm just saying She's a cute girl. She's of her time period. She is trendy. She wears things that I think are cool. And for me, she feels like the first character that says, we want girls this age to be watching Doctor Who. Sure. And we want boys this age to be watching Doctor Who because <laughs> we want, she's we want, damn we, cute. We want teenage boys to look at Polly and go, I'd like one of those, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it kind of is a double-edged sword, uh, but well, overall... that's certainly not something we're going to come back to again in the right? next uh, couple of companions. Right. How about Jamie? Hey, about Jamie? I mean, oh, I've already... Jamie. I think we've mentioned Jamie already, and uh, kind of your feelings about Jamie. But... I adore him. I, I think he's great. Clearly, his outfit is meant to say something about his character, but he he dresses very plainly. All considered. Well, he's, 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 he dresses he's, like a Scottish Highlander. I mean, yeah. you know, like, that's kind of who um, he is. But a lot of people actually call Jamie their all-time favorite companion. I get that. Especially people who really, really dig into the Trouton era and really, like, love. Because Jamie is in, I mentioned this before, yeah. he is in every single Trouton story except for the very first one. Jamie and the Doctor, and, again, is this colored because i got to hear the actors talk about it even more maybe but i don't really think so they just they have chemistry they get along they're buddies it looks like it's so fun to go hang out with them yeah uh we've we've also got to hear elliot chapman talk about how what a terrible person fraser hines is yes and annika wills who played polly so you know he has nothing but terrible things to say about them nothing that's not true at all. Elliot Chapman has been an absolute delight talking about these yeah. people. Um, I hope he listens, and I hope he sends well, me an angry okay. tweet. <laughs> also, like, by the way, we were on the elevator a few times with Fraser Hines, and he right. was a very nice guy. Uh, and we got to meet Wendy Padbury, and she liked my dog. And she was... A d- so there's just, again, this sense of when you have people who are a fan of the show because Mm -hmm. it seems like they all kind of were part of it is because they were kind of the ones who proved it could stay on with a different doctor. Yeah, no, I mean, well, well, Jamie's a big part of that. that. And then Jamie is like, I mean, Jamie was only supposed to be in the Highlanders. And then the producers saw how good he was with Troughton and basically just said, well, stick around for a while. Like, the next three stories, he has basically nothing to do because he was just thrown in at the last minute. Yeah. You know? The Piper. <laughs> the Piper. Oh, from the moon base. Oh, anyways. How about, how about Victoria? Um, and Victoria, 
I think you only saw the Ice Warriors with her. Yeah, I didn't see as much with her. So I do like that because she was another time period character. She was the Victorian era. And I kind of wish that we would see more of that. It does look like possibly our new companion is meant to be from the 80s. That is a guess. I've Who heard. knows? Who knows? We can't predict that yet. Can't predict that yet. I but am. I, I do have. I do have two on the cyber. Two of the Cybermen on our kind of short list to talk about at some yeah. point, and that's a Victoria story. Okay. Um, it, it's probably one of her. It's probably one of her better stories, which says something about the fact that Victoria doesn't really have a good story. But you know. Um, but I, I like the idea of the character. I think that it was the wrong time period to basically oh, say... Enemy of the World. We watched Enemy of the World. She's in that. I forgot about the fact that she's in Enemy of the World. Oh, yeah. And she's in Web of Fear, which we didn't talk about because no, neither of us gave a shit about the Web of Fear, but she's in that, too. Yeah. Doesn't she work in the kitchen? She Enemy does the... the she she goes into the kitchen and That's is it. working in the kitchen in Enemy of the World. That's right, yeah. She's fantastic. Sorry. Now that I remember that, I remember how much I loved her in that story. Enemy of the World is so good. Enemy of the World. I've, we uh, might need to just rewatch that sometimes. Yeah, soon. it's so good. Oh, that's right. So you've um, seen you've seen quite a bit of Victoria, and I don't remember Ice Warriors as well. I don't think that that was a. a she basically just runs from. Me. She basically just runs from the Ice Warriors. Yeah. Um. But I like that she's a period character. I like. I like what she brings to the stories that she's in. And again, Enemy of the World, she she gets to become oh, this very uniquely placed character in the kitchen. And we get this whole other side story with her. And because of her time period and her kind of knowledge that she has, um, how she interacts with those kind of people... Um, outside of that story, I think she does get a little bit tied down by the Victorian of her they really don't do anything with the victorianness of her i mean even i've I've listened to all of her stories i i mean i and and ultimately she's there she's pretty deborah watling is completely charming there's Mm -hmm. nothing but she doesn't i mean she has moments here and there like she's good when she's given something to do but she's basically never given anything to do exactly and so that um, problem won't come back to haunt us in a few minutes either uh but again enemy of the world is I I really do want to rewatch it because it I just I think of Enemy of the World. I've only seen it that once and I get excited. I just remember how interesting and how engaged I was the whole time. That's how, a phenomenal story, yeah. And just how friggin' cute Victoria is. <laughs> and Jamie. And Jamie for and that matter. And Astrid. And oh Astrid. There's so many interesting characters in that story. Anyway. Anyway, moving um, on. Zoe. Zoe. Uh, Possibly my favorite companion. Definitely your favorite companion. Your biggest crush on a companion. I I really have a crush on Zoe. Zoe is just, you know. Zoe? I have a crush on Wendy Padbury as well. Like like a completely independent crush on Wendy Padbury. Um, Which I kind of got to tell her to her face. And then she still smiled and held her hand for a second. It was nice. She didn't hold my hand. She like brushed my shoulder like... Very patronizingly, but very sweetly. You know, she was awesome. She was an amazing person. She was very gracious, but it was very much like, oh yes, this is a, a nerdy guy with a big beard who loves me and like, isn't that sweet? <laughs> but she had been wooed by our dog. Yes. Anyways, Zoe, she is dressed ridiculously for the age she is said to be. There are all kinds of 
little problematic things I have with her. But she is so smart and she is so funny and she is so much fun, period. And honestly, I think the best thing I can say about Zoe is, again, the, the, when we got to go to, uh, TARDIS in Chicago, there was a little girl who had chosen to dress up as Zoe. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, like, give me your Zoe pose. And she did, like, a friggin' karate chop. And it was just that, that's amazing. That's a kid who had seen the mind robber a few times. Like, yeah. That's what that was. <laughs> yeah. And it was just so cute. And the idea that she just inspired this sense of, like, fuck yeah, even though she is tiny and has, like, the face of a doll. And <laughs> uh, I, I, I'll just, I'll leave it at yeah, that. Yeah, you can leave it at that. Sure. We're, yeah. we're good. Liz Shaw. Ugh, Liz Shaw. We've actually seen half of all of her stories. She's only in four stories total. I know, it's such a shame. Oh, how do I begin my love letter to Liz Shaw? Shana would have watched all four of them immediately. Like, it, like it, Shana, she was definitely like, I'm still, I'm Shaw? still a little pissed we haven't, to be quite honest. We've done we've done Spearhead and we've done Inferno, but we haven't done Ambassadors of Death and uh, the other one, which is slipping my mind at the moment, but it's fine. Yeah. Anyway, um, again, I think she is a character that um, there was a lot to be je- said just for how she held herself. Um, you know, she walks in and it's a different era of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it has a different feel. Well, suddenly it's in color, particularly in Spearhead. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a definite, like, it. it's a very... Especially it, I think Zoe's a great companion. Zoe's brilliant and all this sort of thing. Yeah. You bring in Liz Shaw, who isn't even, like, older. Well, I mean, and she you, is, but she isn't. You but. go toward this, like, James Bond kind of Doctor Who, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the right era that I'm thinking yeah, yeah, of, right? Yeah, probably, yeah, Spearhead, yeah. And Sam you, Seeley, come on. Yeah, <laughs> duh. Thunderballs in the dirty old box. Yeah. Probably still our greatest podcast title to date. And Liz Shaw. God, I'm just, I'm having a moment like, that's all in the same episode. It really is. Um, She walks in with a swagger. And it's not a Bond girl swagger. Mm-hmm. It is a, the other agent. Like, she, she is an <clears throat> agent kind of thing. Um, And I'm using that metaphor because she walks in with a kind of gravitas and a it's... kind of like, it's you need hard. to prove yourself to me. It's not hard I to imagine you. Pertwee and uh, Carolyn John switching roles. It's exactly. not hard to imagine Carolyn John as the third doctor and Pertwee as the scientific assistant sort of character. In fact, I think that would be a more interesting show, <laughs> quite honestly. The Brig. Oh, the Brig. I love the Brig when he's with good characters. He is not always with good characters. Um, the Brig and Liz Shaw, who some of their scenes, who do you ship those two? Oh yeah, like as as a fling, because <laughs> that's all she would have with him. <laughs> um, and he would he would appreciate it. Uh, anyway, the Brig. I sense fan fiction brewing, <laughs> right? Um. <laughs> Big finish. This is my fan fiction. Can we please bring it to life? Unfortunately, Carolyn John is no longer with us, so uh, 
I doubt they would do it. P.S. I have high recommendations that I can do a real good accent. Maybe I could try and be Liz Shaw. I love Are you. Are you going to do that accent as Liz Shaw? No. This is this is me imagining them reading, like, what's fucking country bumpkin bullshit American girl? Um. Anyways. Mike Yates. No. Let me step back. The Brig. Okay. It is hard to talk about the Brig because he is also around for so long and comes yeah. back in so many forms. I do love him. I think he, at the end of the day, is a big symbol of just honor, and I appreciate that. Well, the Brig is interesting because he's such a kind of problematic character in so many ways. Mm-hmm. The Silurians! That's the fucking... I can't believe I can't remember the Silurians. Uh, probably the most problematic thing that Doctor Who has ever done. It's the Silurians. Uh, we're going to have to cover that sooner or later. Um, but the, the Brig is kind of simultaneously this marker of like these establishment values. Um, but at the same time, Nicholas Courtney is such a win- winsome performer and he's so good mm-hmm. at it. And he's, you know, that he kind of makes it charming despite the fact that it's kind of anti everything that Doctor Who is supposed to be. The well, idea that the Doctor is like working with this military organization and like, I guess just looking at classic Who, the Brig, and just kind of considering him as primarily a third Doctor companion and not quite... That's that's really the way I think you should really view him. I mean, he's really only in a handful of stories. Otherwise. Um, And... I appreciate they gave him those stories because they show that, like, his time with the Doctor, like, shaped him. But he is one of those characters that is the, you know, I'm here to say we have to do this by the books and be problematic for you. Um, But ultimately, he does want the Doctor there. He does want the one who knows how to fix things there. Even if he is going to be a pain in his ass. He and Pertwee have this really interesting dynamic. Yes. And as problematic as some of it is in terms of kind of real world politics, it's also a really interesting kind of way of exploring kind of what the culture was going through in 1971, you know? Right. Mike Yates. I don't really (laughs) care about Mike Yates. (laughs) Okay, well, we are going to do a story where you're going to care about Mike Yates. We'll, We'll move on from that. Benton. Sergeant Benton. Again, another character. You don't remember really, Bitten? I, I remember. I just... Okay. There are a few companions that we have not, like, at least in the story I watched, I was like, okay. He's kind of the adorable baby-faced one. Oh, yeah. I mean, sure, he's cute. I don't, like... Yeah. Uh, you kind of have to watch, to like, say. pretty much all the third Doctor, and then you're kind of like, oh, there are these little moments here and there where these characters kind of shine, but um, I'll try to find a a good Benton story at some point. Joe Grant. Joe, she is so cute. Um, She's on the show for three years, which is amazing that she's on for that long. I, you know, I really like her because even though everybody keeps hating on Rose right now everyone's like reminding me how much they hate rose and i'm like shut up i like rose um i think she has a kind of rose quality to her that kind of um i'm not quite trained for this but i'm still here to be your assistant yep um kind of regular girl again uh i i appreciate the fact 
that she's kind of trendy. I do get annoyed with the heels sometimes, but <laughs> I don't find it a character flaw that a young girl is going to want to dress in style. Um, and I think that Joe is really because of the actress who plays her. Katie Manning. Katie Manning. Katie Manning, again, is just plucky and brings a life to the role that even if the lines don't always seem to challenge the doctor, she seems to be there to kind of keep him grounded. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so I, I really like that character. Yep. No, I mean, Joe is, Joe is, on paper, that character could have been a disaster. But yeah. I think that she's such a good performer, and she and Pert, we have such a great chemistry. In a way, I'm kind of reminded of, like, Vicky and Hartnell. Uh, a little yeah. Bit. You know, they have that, that same kind of familial, almost, you know, kind of thing. It feels like, you know, you're hanging out with your uncle. And yeah. so you're close enough in age, maybe, that... You kind of feel like you're getting away with something, um, but really he's just kind of showing you shit your mom might not want you to see. <laughs> right. Uh, Especially like, when it's the doctor. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, god damn it, he's gonna go set fireworks off with her. I was, she's not old enough for that. Uh, you know, It has that dynamic to it of like, <laughs> like the seven and ace. Yeah. Um, uh, and well, I love that dynamic with the doctor and companion. That's this kind of like, we, we are, uh, charmed by each other because we both kind of poke each other in a funny way. Sarah Jane motherfucking Smith. Oh, God. Sarah Jane. I mean, probably the greatest companion of all time. I mean, like, like, I just, the model of companions in a lot of ways. I cannot begin. To talk about how much I love Sarah Jane, how much I love Liz Slayton as an actress, how much I love the character's story arc, how much I love how Liz Slayton chose to play that story arc. <laughs> right. I mean, there there is so much nuance there. She is such an interesting person, and she may kind of remind me of my mom, so I may have a little bit of an extra sympathetic. And you watch some of the of Sarah Jane adventures. And I did watch some of the Sarah Jane adventures, and there is this kind of um, quality to where she gave up her life to be this adventurer, this explorer. She was always a journalist. Yeah. She was always wanting to find the truth and help people. And like, okay, yeah, I'm going to hate that character. Like, well, she's she's everything I want, you know, feminism to have as a companion in the show. She's I She's think, got a lot of arc and depth. and I think Liz Sladen, I mean, very much like in that era, yeah. there was this kind of, oh, we'll bring on kind of a, a pretty girl who's a decent actress. And I, I think it's pretty clear they hired Liz Sladen because she was a great actress first. Yes. But then once she's on set, even though there's not a lot... In, on the page for her, she sells it with such conviction. Oh, and it's she so, shines. Like, she, just, she just elevates everything. And then they eventually just had to start writing to that because there's just no other way to do it. We could talk about Sarah Jane all day long. But, yeah, um, I could write a book on Sarah Jane. <laughs> books maybe. have been written on Sarah Jane. <laughs> yes, but I could write the Shana book of Sarah Jane. You could also write a Shana book about the next companion that I should mention. Harry Sullivan. Oh, fuck him in his stupid fucking face. I want to hit it. Okay. Leela. 
Leela. I'm trying to erase the image of you in blackface from my mind. <laughs> but other than that... Which isn't her fault. I no, mean, it's uh... not her fault at all. Um, and thank God they did screen tests. Uh, well, thank that God they came it... to their senses. Yeah. Like, you know, they're like, this might be just a little bit racist. What do you think? When 1975 BBC controllers go... Yeah, that might be just a tad bit racist, you know? Yeah. There's there's a there's an overt minstrel show airing later <laughs> this week. That we're okay with. This makeup people might be a little offended by it. Yeah. Just a little bit. And I, I love that her defense was like, I just thought they were trying to make me look a bit dirty. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which is in its own way equally horrifying, you know. Like um, the savages of the jungle covered yeah. in shit. Yeah, head to toe. Uh, anyways, I love her. Her performance overwhelms for me the lack of costume. <laughs> um, I, I, and you know, maybe this is because I am. Uh, no, I don't even think that. Maybe this is just because I have experienced uh my own kind of femme backlash from the world you know a a pretty girl who's basically wearing a leather bathing suit for most of the time i don't see it after a while she's just it's just kind of what leela wears it's just kind of what it's leela a, wears like, and she's very comfortable in her skin and she's very curious about we things we are going to get to see us an episode a story where leela has clothes on very soon yeah i have i've seen pictures of that canine you know, uh, I love Canine because he's Canine, um, but as an actual companion, like, to actually literally talk about Canine, they, he just sucks. Like, there is no reason to have a Canine except to have a Canine. He's the Jar Jar Binks of the Doctor Who universe. I don't think he's as bad as Jar Jar Binks because I think everybody still is like, oh, but he's cute. Well, and John Leeson's a really great performer. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, you really get, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of poking fun, but he's yeah. definitely like the, the thing that was designed to go in breakfast cereal. You know, oh, that's yeah. what Canine always. Canine was definitely, we are going to make toys of this. We are going to sell it to children. Cha-ching. And, you know, my answer to that is I hope to someday purchase a small canine because I think they're adorable. Um, so I have no problem with him. Uh, you know, he shows up in Sarah Jane Adventures. He shows up in... In New Who. In New Who. He is he's just kind of around. We met the guy who runs him. Matter of time. Yeah. It, it, he is one of those things... Um, that I, it, it doesn't bother me. I like him. He's cute. Romana. Like Romana one, don't like Romana two. Okay. Adric. Adric is as Adric does. I, I mean, never know if I was right. It's heartbreaking. It's, I, it, it's really, it's sad. The performance is odd. Maybe we, maybe we need odd. to go back and redo Earthshock at some point. Because, but that like, last line, the I'll just never know if I was right, is like, he's so, it's like, God, your priorities are so fucked, kid. 
up to the day as, you die. As, as a really kind of bright, geeky kid would be, but, you yeah. know, whatever. Yeah, it's... I don't know, Adric is definitely what most people say is the Jar Jar Binks of the Doctor Who yeah, universe. Yeah, but I'm, I'm far too empathetic to him to, yeah. to necessarily dislike him. Nissa. Nissa, uh, I think, is really best in her first episode. Keep her tracking? Uh, yeah. And she has a purpose, and she kind of has more duties as a character. And then after that, she's not really interesting until she's with Tegan. Well, let's talk about Tegan, then. Tegan! I did not think I was going to like Tegan. I don't know why. Uh, it might be the lilac um, the, the, flight the purple, attendant. The purple flight, flight attendant thing? Yeah. But man, did she just call the doctor out on his shit constantly. I just I just imagine Tegan and the 11th Doctor traveling together. And the 11th Doctor would never do half the stupid shit he did because Tegan would call him out on everything. The 11th Doctor would be sitting down in a corner yeah. facing the wall. And <laughs> Tegan would be flying the TARDIS and bitching him out the whole fucking time. I'm not the whole time, but there are a few uh, choice whole, places. Whole, and Capaldi, yeah. too. Yeah. To, to, for, and ten. And everyone. Everyone. Tegan would give each of them. She would take their ass and hand it to them because. I think, so I think the ninth doctor would have, would have been okay with Tegan. I think he would have really appreciated Tegan. I, yeah. Yeah. But I think he appreciates Tegan. And I mean, like, Rose calls him out on some stuff too. Right, right. You'll never make me not like Rose, people. Uh, but Tegan, yeah. I, there is so much to say about Tegan. Um, I I just think another another actress who was really mistreated by their production, and yet like what we like we come I it's, come away and I'm just completely on her get, side. You get this character that is just a fireball that is just she takes the line she has and she just rings them to death, but in in the most positive way. I mean, I can mean that um, she rails against the doctor at times she her silence is deafening at times um her performance is phenomenal and i think really tegan is what makes me like the doctor during that era because she is the one who's constantly holding him up to the standard and he's having to constantly just stare her in the eye and say, like, you're right, and I will meet you there. Well, can you, uh, kind of mentioning kind of Liz Shaw and the Third Doctor, yeah. can you imagine that companion Doctor Switcheroo? Can you imagine, for instance, uh, Janet Fielding as the Fifth Doctor and Peter Davison as a companion? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, if Peter Davison was the companion, him being kind of loopy half the time would make a lot more sense. <laughs> um, I mean, just that performer. I mean, I, I can certainly imagine them like writing a a really interesting character for Peter Davison as a oh, know, yeah. companion. Um, but I, I, you know, the thing about Tegan is that she never really wants to be on the TARDIS. She does towards the end, but like she starts off kind of being like, come on, I got to get to the airport. I I keep going to get home. Well, and she has a moment where she kind of likes being on the TARDIS and then almost immediately gets turned around and is like, I thought I, I liked it here for just a second. I thought I had found this kind of family in a way. 
and then Adric dies, and then Nyssa leaves. Yep. And then you just have Tegan, like, so so this is what you do? Like, you take us all on this wild trip, and then you kill the kid, and you shove people away? It's such uh, a degree to which Tegan becomes a moral center, even without, she like, She is being a dark character at her end. She, she, I mean, she's the one who leaves and says, this just isn't fun anymore. I mean, yeah. in, a, in a way, Tegan is kind of like the anti-Sayward, right? Like Eric Sayward, the... the, the script editor at that Mm -hmm. point you know going for all these dark like very you know space marines kind of stories and tegan is almost the character that gets sacrificed to that but in the way that she sacrificed is kind of a repudiation of that yeah absolutely i love tegan i i need to watch her episodes again well we'll we'll, we'll watch more tegan i i think she suffers from 80s-itis but (laughs) you know like i can't hold that against her Speaking of the 80s, Turlo. Turlo. Um, I just inexplicably like Turlo, even though he's, like, oh, such a brat and so overdramatic. But, like, everybody who has listened to our show knows that I built this entire, like, fan canon in my head of Turlo being a metaphor for closeted homosexuality. And that, That's not even really a fan canon. Like, that's that's... Pretty much straight up what's going on in those stories. So, like, I mean, I like Turlo because of all of that. Um, as a character, he's kind of put in some awkward situations. I, I think he does not play well with others. We're, there are some really interesting Turlo stories that I'm probably going to... There there's some... You know, I'm, I'm trying to use this as kind of like figuring out kind of who you responded to and what you responded to in terms of like planning future episodes. And oh, okay. There are definitely some interesting Turlo stories that I this think This is a gonna... test <laughs> of the Daniel Broadcasting System. Chameleon. Fuck. Waste of time. Done. Uh, Perry. We don't need to hear that rant again. I think we've heard that rant already. Sure, she's a darling girl. Nicola Bryant is just a delight. I'm sure. I'm sure of it. Ace. Ace is everything I wanted her to be and more. And, and you've only seen Dragonfire. And just wait until you see some of these later stories. I know. And I just, I am immediately charmed by her. Um, and oh god, that has a lot to do with that actress and them dimples and that Sophie Aldred, that leather outfit. And, I mean, there there is a lot of just like okay, this is a time period enough that I was if I was younger and had seen this, um, she would have been like my hero, and I probably would have been gay at like four years old. Yeah, well, um, yeah, <laughs> I can see that. Uh, but. But there's a lot to like about that character already, uh, just in her introduction, even though I did have to make you assure me that she was going to say Ace, and what was the other thing? She just says Ace, like, all the time. Ace! There's one other thing she said. Anyways. Well, in in, in our discussion of Dragonfire, you basically said, you know, (laughs) what, what, uh... Here, here's my memory of of Ace. Is she goes, boom, Ace, boom, Ace, because she's constantly throwing the Nitro Nine. It's the boom, I think. Yeah. Nitro Nine, Nitro Nine, Ace, Nitro Nine, Aces, Ace. 
Anyways, I still love her. I think she's adorable. That's all that I really care about. We're going to do a lot of Ace stories coming out yeah. in the near future. And I'm so, looking forward to them. Who do you want to see more of other than other than Ace? Well, apparently you said, like, I have a bad opinion of some that I shouldn't. So. Not necessarily. I mean, I'm just, like, I'm asking. I'm, I'm kind of like, who who would you, who are you, like, I'd really like to see more of soon? Oh, I want to rewatch Enemy of the World. Okay. What do you want to cover on the show again, Sue? Who, which characters do you want to cover on the show more? Well, I figured if I wanted to watch Enemy of, Enemy of the World, we'd cover it on the show. <laughs> we can recap. I think we did a pretty good job on Enemy of the World, but if you want to rewatch it and do it as like a little show, we can okay, do that. Okay, well then we won't. Honestly, Liz Shaw. Obviously, duh. yep. I don't think there is any more Polly for me to see, is there? We could see more Polly. Vicky. We will definitely see more Vicky. There's definitely some... There are specific stories with Vicky that, that are definitely yeah. ones that you need to see. Um, I also kind of want to watch Mind Robber again because I I feel like I get the whole show better and that one has stuck out so much. Well, maybe we'll do in a future episode, we'll do Mind Robber and Enemy of the World is kind of revisit them both of them together. Fair enough. Um, so, yeah, we can do that. Um, I would love to watch more Sarah Jane. Well, yeah... Because that's always... And I think we'll automatically end up watching more Jamie somewhere in there. Well, anything with the second Doctor is more Jamie, so... So, I I think off the top of my head, that's who I feel like I want to know more about. Uh, Sure. And obviously Ace would be, you know... Yeah, and uh, Victoria. You said there was another Victoria story. There's a a story with Victoria we're definitely going to cover, despite the (laughs) fact... It's Tomb of the Cybermen. People who are listening are, are kind of going, of course they have to cover Tomb of the Cybermen at some point. We will cover that story. Is it awful? Is that the thing? It's, I'm not going to predispose you to whether that's, it's It's both brilliant and awful. Okay. So the only companion we've actually finished is Romana 1. And that's because right. we cover the whole key to time season. Right. And they're so like, I'm pissed that there isn't more Romana 1, but there is no more to see of her. Yeah. Uh, I don't really care about Romana 2. Yeah. Um, Anybody else you like actively don't want to see more of? I know I said I want to see more Sarah Jane always, but like, I really would like to avoid Harry Sullivan. Okay. Because I hate him with every inch of my being. I feel so bad for that actor. Ian Martyr, who was a... Who, I'm who, sure he's a wonderful person. Who is now gone. He's, he's oh. no longer with us. He he died. Um, I'm sure he was a wonderful person. He really was. He, and he and Liz Sladen were like good friends for the rest of their lives. So that's absolutely beautiful. I hate that character. Ian Martyr actually wrote some of the Doctor Who novels. Some of the Target novelizations. Oh. He actually wrote a couple of those. That's fascinating. Yeah. Cool. I mean, you don't like Harry Sullivan because I don't like of, Harry Sullivan because Harry because Sullivan Harry is just Sullivan. written to be this. You hate Harry Sullivan for exactly what he was written to be, which exactly. was a kind of misogynist, good old boy. You exactly, know? and so like I hold it nothing against the actor. I think the actor did a great job being that character because I want to hit him in the face every time he fucking talks. Um, I'd love to see more Turlo. Okay. But that's just because I think Turlo's so cute in them show shows. Um, them tight pants. <laughs> I think that's enough. I think I kind of yeah, know what, what yeah, you're uh, looking for. Yeah. So, any final thoughts on anything before we uh, kind of, before I kind of 
calling into this whole thing? Um, you know, I think going through specifically paying attention in, in our conversations, at least, um, to the companions has really helped me identify a lot of, like, the politics um, that are driving why I like characters and not. Yeah. Um, and I didn't realize how politically based it was until we did have a few conversations where, I mean, it was you and JB, right? Where we talked about Perry. About Mind Warp, yeah. Yeah, and you guys were talking about stuff. I was like, yep, still couldn't get over this one part. And you guys are like, really? It's like, yeah. Oh, no, no, that was Jack and me talking oh, about Caves was... of Androzani. Oh, that's what it was, Caves of Androzani. And, no, um, Mind Warp was the three of us ranting about fan sexism. That was... Oh, yeah, yeah. no, no, no. We all... That's right. Um, but I think realizing to the point where there were some characters that I just did not connect with because they were not written for me. Yeah. Um, well, and, and, and being happy to be able to say... Thank God this isn't when I started watching Doctor Who because the show was not for me at that oh, time. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Pretty so, much. Uh, yeah. So I've definitely got a plan for what we're uh, what we're going to watch soon. And awesome. uh, we'll kind of basically play it by ear. Uh, if there are thoughts about what people would like to uh, see us cover sooner rather than later, please uh, send us a message. Come on to our Facebook group. Uh, tweet at us. Uh, come to the website. Do what you got to do. Hope you enjoyed this kind of long meandering conversation that Shane and I have had about Doctor Who. Yeah. This basically was, I was kind of like, let's just show people what our conversations in day-to-day life are like sometimes. And so kind of keeping it a little bit more formless was sort of the <laughs> point here. So um, This is what it's like when we go out to dinner sometimes, is what he's really saying. Yeah, pretty much. We'll go it's to dinner like, and we'll just chat. So what do you think of this character? And I'm like, all right. And then he'll be like, wait, wait, no, 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 no. Save it for the podcast. Save it for the podcast. Yeah. So thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to Shana for coming along this journey with us. Don't worry. We are going to keep doing more Doctor Who. Yes. And honestly, this conversation is kind of, honestly, taking a few weeks off of Doctor Who has kind of made me want to come back to it. Um. So, uh, yeah. Next week, The Happiness Patrol. Some more Ace. Yes. We've definitely got a bunch of great stories coming up. Some purple-haired grannies. <laughs> so in love with them. Don't even know them yet. It's going to be great. So good. Oh, I forgot a fucking companion. There's a whole companion I missed. Mel. I forgot Mel when I was writing them down. <laughs> I was a child actress. <laughs> and that's the best place to end it I can imagine. <laughs> Thanks to everybody for listening. I'm so glad I remembered that I forgot Mel right there at the end so I could throw it in. This just shows that I literally did make this list from memory. So, you know, I'm going to find out as I'm editing this that I missed another companion somewhere and people are going to like laugh at me. But I did do this list from memory. So, Thanks to everybody for listening. Next week, The Happiness Patrol. Until then. adventure. I was a child actress. <laughs> Until then, the TARDIS is closed. We thank James Bragg for the use of our theme song, Doctor Who Theme on Minimook. You can find his work at youtube.com slash hyperdust7 or at phoenix-flare.com. All our episodes can be found at oispaceband.lipson.com or on iTunes. You can find Oispaceband on Facebook or email us at oispacebandpodcast at gmail.com.
We also have an irregularly updated blog at wastebasemanblog.wordpress.com. Daniel is also the co-host of a weekly movie podcast called They Must Be Destroyed On Sight, which you can find at tmbdos.podbean.com. You can find Daniel's Twitter and Tumblr at Daniel E. Harper, all one word, and you can find Shanus at Inkyosa, that's I-N-K-Y-O-S-A. We look forward to hearing from you.